Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Penn State fans, how are you? Johnny McGonigal and Bob Flounders, me being Bob, back for another round of the Blue White Breakdown. It is mid-May, just barely survived the Kentucky Derby, Johnny. I didn't have the winner. My horse ran third, but what are you going to do? It's The temperature's in the 70s. Hopefully, that's here to stay. There's still plenty of Penn State news to talk about with you. I know that you're going to be making, hopefully, a trip to Harrisburg later this week. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person. How are you? We'll have a couple things to get to here on the Blue White Breakdown, but how how is your post spring going so far? It's going well, Bob. It's going well. Yeah, looking forward to look forward to getting down to Harrisburg. I believe we'll be going to a Senators game uh, this week, and yeah, and and have a have a beverage or two should be good to catch up. But yeah, no, and then obviously we're well past spring ball now. Uh, we're we're getting recruiting towards the summer. The portal is still active uh, in terms of players looking for new homes. It's closed to new entrants in terms of undergraduates at the FBS level. I I say that because Penn State is active in the portal right now where it's, you know, they're, they're still going through their, their post spring assessment in terms of the roster. They added someone uh, since we last recorded. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if by the time we record again next week, if they add another player or two, it's just kind of how these things go. Graduate transfers as well can enter the, enter the portal at any time. So God knows who they might get from that end potentially over the summer. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to uh, looking forward to the podcast and, uh, and and talking some Penn State football. We could probably just start there because we really we haven't had a, ch- a chance to chat about uh, one of the new additions to Penn State's football program. There are Penn State ties, it would seem, all over this edition, Johnny. James made it very clear at the start of spring, at the middle of spring, at the end of the blue and white game that – he wanted, he wanted to add some depth to his defensive tackle room. And the, the player that they've added is, uh, you know, Alonzo Ford is a defensive tackle from Old Dominion, which I think most Penn State fans know. That's the program that is coached by Ricky Ronnie, one of James's uh, former assistants, former uh, OC, longtime assistant with him, Vanderbilt, uh, a huge chunk of his Penn State uh, coaching career. But yeah. They get the defensive tackle from Old Dominion. Just your thoughts on how you would kind of assess this, right? I mean, for the Penn State fans. I mean, they wanted to get deeper. This guy is listed at about, you know, weights can certainly fluctuate, but around between 285 and 290 is is, is my best guess. I think it was 287. But do you feel like this was, this was a priority uh, pickup for Penn State? And how do you feel like maybe this would impact their defensive tackle room? Yeah, so Alonzo Ford, um, he's a good player. He's a good addition, uh, given the depth concerns uh, that James Franklin had that I'm sure Deion Barnes entering his first year as defensive line coach will have when you lose 
a guy like PJ Mustafer, who has been your run stuffer, your lane clogger um, at nose tackle at the one technique in the middle, you know, at, at the tackle uh, for so long. And they don't, they don't naturally have a, a, a replacement for PJ. Looks like Hakeem Beeman uh, will be a starter. You know, he's undersized, but more of a pass rusher, more of an inside disruptor. You've got Kaziah Izzard, uh, Devon Ellis, and uh, and Zane Durant as well. Like all pushing for time, all pushing for those couple starting roles, and they'll be getting plenty of snaps. But it felt like they could have added some some beefiness, some size at D tackle, and that's what they get uh, with Alonzo Ford, who. Um, you know, had 32 tackles last year, five TFLs, three and a half tackles for loss. Um, he's six foot three, 272 pounds. So not in that 300 range that you would necessarily want, but he does have experience playing nose tackle uh, at Old Dominion. Now, again, you look at that at the lower level of football. I mean, it's, it's FBS, but it's not the Big Ten. Uh, so can he play nose tackle uh, at Penn State? Maybe if he puts on 10 pounds over the summer and uh, it's just good to have a depth piece, a guy who, you know, was wanted by other teams in the portal uh, and for Penn State to get him, uh, I think is a, is a nice job by them to uh, at least partially address what they feel is a need. Because when James Franklin was asked after that blue white game, Hey, what, what's your plan for the portal? He said, you know, we feel pretty good across the board, but we could use depth and competition at D tackle. Like it was very, very cut and dry, very clear. And everyone knew it uh, throughout spring ball, even watching practice. And, and then the, the spring game that, they'd be in the portal and after some D-tackle help. Yeah, and sorry about that, Penn State fans. I got my numbers confused. I said 287. I reversed them. He's actually probably maybe a meal under uh, 288, 278. So obviously a guy that that um, has played before. My, I guess my question is, you know, it's not like 310 defensive tackles are, are just there to be plucked. There's a couple out there. And if they're really good, number one, they're probably going to stay at a school – I mean, they're probably not going to leave. And if they do leave, you're going to need to dip deep into the NIL pockets probably to get them. I think USC got the prize defensive tackle in the portal, the kid from Georgia. But it's great to have experienced bodies. But, yeah, Johnny, it's just the question of are they are they big enough, really? Are they big enough inside? Um, they can attack with numbers. I think Jordan Vandenberg is a guy that maybe could also – you know, he's he's certainly one of the stronger players on the team. We saw that during the winter conditioning. But, you know, it's it's nice to have five or six bodies you, you like. But if none of them are 305 or, or, or more, like what does that mean when Michigan rolls into town, you know, uh, and they're running game? So I guess I'm a little torn here. I don't know how much bigger this guy could get. But I just wonder if this is really what James had in mind uh, when he said we got we want to we want to we want to address a defensive tackle position. Yeah, I agree with you. As much as he's a nice addition, it, he's not like a. It's not like a home run deal. It's not like a. Hey, this is a. Oh, this was a top five player in the portal that everyone that everyone needed. That you had USC shelling. You know, it, look, it's a tackle from Old Dominion, a defensive tackle from Old Dominion, who, uh, like I mentioned, has some nose tackle experience, but that's at a lower level. And so you needed depth. At defensive tackle, if not, you needed more size, which they don't necessarily get um, in Alonzo Ford, but they do get a good player. And I do believe he has, yeah, he has two seasons of eligibility left. And again, he's 6'3". Like, I'm not a strength and conditioning coach, but if you feel like you can put some puts more weight on him over the course of a year um, and have an even better option in terms of size and 
and fit and everything for 2024, then he could be even more of a, a contributor, perhaps. Um, it's not just a, a one-year rental, uh, so to speak. This D-tackle room is not, I think, where I, I think it's the weakness on the team. Um, I think it's that and wide receiver, and that's just because wide receiver hasn't proven it. Losing Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley, and you know we, we've talked about it before. Dante Cephas coming in from Kent State, you know Malik McLean from Florida State uh, is kind of a project. You know Cephas obviously super talented, but he's got to get you know ingrained and all that kind of good stuff. D tackle is very clearly the weakness on the defense, if not the team overall. And so you like to just add to that group and see if it pushes guys, you know, to their limits in terms of competition and getting better and all that. But I don't think it necessarily solves the Michigan problem. Like you said, you're not going to pluck a 320 pound like you know, star defensive tackle out of the portal if you're Penn State uh, right now because that guy doesn't exist. Yeah. Speaking of uh, the portal, though, I was just I did I noticed it like a day after it happened. And I just I, I just double checked my Twitter timeline. I believe I believe Mr. Cephas had a we are Twitter post on May 7th, an indication to me that maybe I don't know if he's if he's he's arrived yet uh, in state college, but he's doing that for a reason. Right. Penn State is firmly in his 2023 plans. Johnny, uh, the timeline for some of these guys uh, maybe to get on. Campus. I mean, they can't really practice until August, but they can once they do arrive. They can, you know, they can. They're, they're supervised by you know the strength staff and the conditioning staff, and they can they can do some things. So I took that to mean that it, it that there's there's been no change in Dante Cephas's 2023 plans. It's it was it was nice knowing you Kent State. He's he's going to go to Penn State, and we'll see we'll see what he can do. You know, in the very short term to kind of maybe inject some danger into that wideout core right and by danger i mean vertical and run after the catch james talked about hey man we need we need guys who can go 80 yards in the blink of an eye and keandre had that play in the rose bowl but that was only one play so i think this guy is a little bit more dangerous so we'll see where that goes but it sure it sure feels like dante's definitely in penn state's plans for for august practices also just to note like the spring semester just ended graduation and and uh, Happy Valley was uh, this past weekend. So I believe the new semester, the, the first May semester is starting soon. So that that timeline would line up uh, with him getting on campus. And like you said, starting to work with the strength staff. I believe there's like a set amount of time that the on-field coaches like Marcus Hagan's wide receivers coach can work with him during the summer. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head how many hours that is per week or whatever. At the very least, getting out and throwing with Drew Aller building that rapport, uh, working with Keandre Lambert-Smith and Harrison Wallace and the rest of those wide receivers. You mentioned that Dante is is dangerous. He's also really experienced. I mean, over 1,900 yards over the last two seasons. He had over 1,200 uh, in the 2021 season. Again, we talk about Alonzo Ford taking a step up from Old Dominion to Penn State in the Big Ten. Dante Sivas will be doing that as well uh, from Kent State and the MAC uh, to the Big Ten and Penn State. but. You know, you just pop on that tape and you're like, yeah, yeah, that that could be your number one wide receiver. And you know, Keandre Lambert-Smith, Penn, you know, Penn State and James Franklin liked what they saw out of him throughout the spring. Uh, Harrison Wallace as well. But if Dante Cephas is able to play to the level that people in the building think he can play to, potential number one wide receiver. Uh, and when you've got that and you've got if you've got Keandre playing at a high level with Harrison and the rest of the receivers, you know, Caden Saunders and 
and Amari Evans and the guys we've mentioned before, plus a Theo Johnson, plus a Tyler Warren at tight end, you've got a complementary passing game to an already established and well-oiled machine in the run game, which I fully expect to, to carry the load early in the season, especially that West Virginia game in the opener, which uh, we found out over this past weekend will be 730 uh, time on NBC. No surprise there. Wouldn't be surprised if it's a whiteout. <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure, I'm telling you, I'm sure, you know, Penn State fans would rather save that for uh, a Michigan or whatever, but, you know, maybe that Michigan game is going to be on big noon kickoff on Fox and, and have a noon whiteout. I'm sure NBC would be pushing for a whiteout uh, because that one hell of a way to ring in Big Ten coverage if you're them. Uh, either way, it's going to be a really cool occasion. And uh, yeah, in that game, I would expect a heavy dose of Nick Singleton and Katron Allen because Aller and Cephas and uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith and those guys are going to be working in the pass game at that point still. But I could see more things ahead uh, with that Drew Aller to, to Dante connection. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different. And we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Yeah, and a couple things I would think if you're looking for a whiteout game, there's probably a couple, couple of things, couple of boxes Penn State wants to check to, to, to really make it a great whiteout experience. You know, a night game is probably always preferred. A win, not a guaranteed win, but a win is it would would be nice. You know, it's it's great to play Ohio State in a whiteout atmosphere uh, or a Michigan in a whiteout atmosphere. They've actually done pretty well against Michigan in whiteout atmospheres, but that sure it's a November game, so like they can't. I'm almost positive it's November, so they can't. They couldn't do uh, a night game unless Michigan would agree to it, and that's that's not going to happen. So I mean, I, I could, and I think didn't Penn State when they played on against Purdue on Thursday night. Wasn't it like Purdue's version of some kind of, it was like a stripe out or a, a or something. Yeah. So it's not unheard of for that to happen really early in the season. I'm trying to remember the last time, the earliest whiteout I could ever remember. I think they had one. Wasn't it Auburn? Auburn was an early one. I think they had one against Illinois. I want to say in 2008, uh, that was an early one. So it, it wouldn't be that big of a surprise for them to go. In September, but if it's if it's not West Virginia, it could be a noon, you know, a noon stripe out. It wouldn't be a whiteout. It would be, I guess, it would be their stripe out. And then I still think I still think there's a there's a market for maybe Iowa to be a, a whiteout game. I don't know how feasible that would be. I do know it would get the, the fan base good and stoked after the way that Iowa treated Penn State players in 2021 out there. But it, I guess it really wouldn't surprise me if this was the whiteout game. It, it, I think it's kind of kind of cool that it's an NBC game, also to be an NBC game and have Todd Blackledge do the uh, do the color commentary. I think I, I'm sure he's really looking forward to that. And I was just doing some research, uh, just a little bit initial research on West Virginia. It would seem like that is room service for a whiteout game. That is a team that has really struggled. I think it will continue to struggle on the defensive side and. I think it could be a pretty – that's going to be a long three, three and a half hours for the Mountaineers, whether it's at noon, 3.30, or at night. But, yeah, excited to see them at night because I was beginning to wonder how many night games they would have in 2023. Yeah, I think, I, like you mentioned, Iowa would, would be another option. Um, yeah, with that Michigan game being when it is, because it is in November, I believe. Yeah, I mean, maybe a stripe out or something like that. But 
in terms of West Virginia, yeah, it should be a should be a guaranteed win. And you know, I guess you don't need the whiteout for it to still be a big occasion. You know, it's a it's a regional regional power five opponent that you haven't played since 1992, starting a home and home. Yep. Um, you know, night game on NBC. Like you don't need the extra juice of a whiteout necessarily. Penn state will be heavily favored in that game. They already are, which is, you know, how they put out the lines for like, you know, the big games in week one. And then some other games later in the season, I believe I saw Penn state's like a 17 and a half point favorite. Wouldn't be surprised if we get closer to the season and it's even more than that. Uh, just judging by you know what what Penn State has back, the hype around this team, and all that on the other on the other side of things, not much going for West Virginia. But yeah, it should be interesting, regardless of and and you know I, I guess what the they'll decide this whiteout deal at some point over the summer before Big Ten Media Day, you would think, which is uh, which is in late July, and and we'll be out there in Indianapolis. We'll travel for that a few days ago, so looking forward to that, Bob. But uh. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what this whiteout is going to be, but I think I think it very well could be could be the uh, the West Virginia game. Yeah, I just double checked. So the Michigan, the Michigan Penn State game, I think is November 11th at Beaver Stadium. So that pretty much is a wrap on that being a night game, unless the Big Ten changes somebody changes rules, and I I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. But we'll, we'll see, Johnny. Hey, one more thing I wanted to talk about uh, with you here on our blue white breakdown. I think Penn State fans are still trying to figure out what the heck is NIL? What is, where is Penn State with it? What's going on behind the scenes? How much of an influence is, is, is NIL currently? How much is it going to become a bigger influence uh, for years to come? And I, I just think that, you know, you had the opportunity to chat with Michael Mowdy, who uh, is, is really at the forefront, I think, of one of their top um, NIL collectives, Lion Legacy. I checked back just to see your your conver- conversation, and I just thought maybe if you just wanted to share maybe a couple of maybe talking points just to kind of if, if the Penn State fans haven't checked out your uh, your interview with Michael, they should do that uh, on Penn Live. But th- I thought it was a nice little uh, it was a discussion that really kind of g- gives you a sense of where Penn State's at, but also where they kind of need to be. And Michael Michael's always been a straight shooter, and I and I'm, I feel like he was that way with you. He doesn't really sugarcoat things. So maybe just a couple of points, Johnny, uh, of, of kind of where Penn State is in the NIL game. What's the alignment like with James Franklin? Is everyone on the same page? What are the biggest challenges? Did you get a sense of kind of where uh, Michael thinks the NIL uh, situation is with Penn State? Yeah, a lot of those questions answered. In, in Yeah, I, I, had a, I had a conversation with Michael last week. Uh, he's the co-founder of Lions Legacy Club, the football team-specific uh, NIL collective. There are a couple of other collectives uh, attached to Penn State that are not football-specific, that are athletic department, generally speaking. I believe the one of the two is transitioning into being like a basketball collective because of the Micah Shrewsbury NIL, all that situation that that helped uh, helped him leave and go to Notre Dame, but. Uh, Lions Legacy Club is football specific, and they launched in September, and so it's been you know seven eight months uh, since the launch of that, and so I just thought it was you know a good time to have a conversation with Michael about where he feels like they are at, you know as a collective, as a program in terms of uh, you know comparing it elsewhere across the country, uh, and really like this team and and the run that they went on to the Rose Bowl and how important that was 
uh, for fundraising and for traction. And, uh, you know, he, the way he explained it, he said that, uh, the last eight months has been like building the plane as they fly it. But he emphasized that it's nice to have a plane. You know, it's nice to have a football specific NIL uh, collective uh, because prior to Lions Legacy launching in September, they didn't have that. Uh, and everyone knows that while there's, you know, appreciation and uh, support and backing for all of Penn State sports, everyone knows that football is is the cash cow, is the uh, the main attraction, if you will. And uh, the way that Michael has always framed it, uh, if football's doing well, everyone's doing well kind of deal. They've worked really hard over the last uh, handful of months to get not only like NIL deals with car dealerships and, uh, and, and that kind of stuff, but also like meet and greets uh, with fans and other, you know, prospective donors. Um, uh, they had an event out at the Rose Bowl uh, before the game, they had an event uh, downtown State College before the Blue White game, the night before the Blue White game. So they're doing stuff like that uh, as well uh, to get you know not only the players involved, but get more donors involved and get more Penn State fans involved. And uh, this is a way in in Michael's mind and, and and the mind of many who are in that NIL space to give fans access or allow them to to get access that they wouldn't otherwise have done prior to NIL, whether that's, you know, talking to players uh, at, at a, you know, a hotel banquet, you know, downtown state college or whatever. Yeah. A lot of good stuff in that interview would recommend everyone to just go, you know, take a look if you haven't already um, talked a little bit about the, the misconceptions of NIL the pay for play and uh, trying to change some minds there uh, in the community. Uh, so yeah, I always appreciate Michael's time. He's a really good dude. Always has been, always will. It was it was good stuff. Yeah, and just to follow up real quick before we close the show, how great would it be if you were like a high school football player and you're on a you're on a you're getting on part of a, the coaching staff is Jordan Hill and Michael Mowdy, and you're a defensive player? Like that's pretty sweet, I think. And if, if you if you if you grew up a Penn State fan and you're looking over at the sideline and you see those two dudes, it's that's got to be pretty sweet. The reason I bring that up. Harrisburg alert. He so Michael Jordan Hill is uh, the former defensive tackle at Penn State, head coach at Trinity, which is uh, you know a high school program school on the west shore of Harrisburg. Michael Mowdy, I think, is going to be. I would think now that he's on his staff, is probably going to be at the very least he's going to be coaching linebackers. He could be the DC, but Johnny, that must be Trinity is by no means a big school, but they do have a high profile recruit, I believe, this year or a high high profile player in Pennsylvania. But anyway, I, it must be awfully neat to to kind of to look over and, and to know you're going to get coached. You're going to get that level of coaching from those two guys, both made it in the pro. So must be pretty cool. But yeah, he's also, in addition to, to his work with uh, NIL at Penn state, he's also going to be a high school football coach in the Harrisburg area in the fall. Yeah. And he's going to be uh, the keynote speaker at Penn lives, uh, Penn lives high school sports awards bank later in May. I believe it's on May 25th. Uh, that's what prompted the conversation with, with Michael was about, was about that. And then we start getting into NIL and Lions Legacy Club and everything. But he was talking about how, you know, appreciative he has been because um, he's a Louisiana native, you know, being a Penn State legacy, he's always been inter- intertwined with the central Pennsylvania, um, you know, with Penn State, with with State College and all that. But he's now moved. He's, he's living in the Harrisburg area uh, as a coach at, at Trinity and working with Lions Legacy Club. And so, he said, that "Really, the last however many months, it's been reacclimating to the area, uh, reacclimating to the football community, the high school football community has been uh, a great experience for him, and uh, and he's looking forward to continuing that. So, 
it seems like really cool, really cool stuff. I mean, yeah, if you're if you're a player on Trinity or if you're like a parent uh, of, a, of a player on Trinity and you're a Penn State football fan, like that's got to be that's got to be really sweet. Yeah, and I probably shouldn't bury the lead too much, or, or, or our bosses will probably uh, <laughs> find me. But yeah, Penn Lies High School Sports Awards Banquet is going to be, I believe it's May 25th. You know, it, it's going to be uh, at the Penn Harris Hotel Convention Center in Camp Hill, Stone's Throw from downtown Harrisburg, May 25th, 5 to 7 p.m. If you guys want to go to it, you can get tickets. Um, there's plenty of information. Uh, you can check Penn Live for the information about the Penn Live. Uh, awards banquet, but yeah, May 25th, 5 to 7 p.m., Penn Harris Hotel Convention Center in Camp Hill, May 25th. Michael Mowdy is going to be the keynote speaker. It's always a good time for a good cause. Definitely check it out. I think I just saved my job there at the end of this uh, podcast, Johnny. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed your Q&A with Michael. Uh, looking forward to seeing you a little bit later this week. And uh, we'll just uh, we'll just go from there. Looking forward to seeing you. And I'll be with uh, David Jones for a podcast uh, later this week. Make sure you guys check that out as well. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live.